You can't experience the joy that God wants for you if you're always just wanting more. So what is the secret to being content? Hey there, it's Karen G. from the communications team. Welcome to our Tower Hill Weekly Podcast. We hope today's message gives you strength in this time of uncertainty. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take another big step in your faith journey. This week, we're continuing with our new sermon series, In the Meantime. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker right now. Good morning, Tower Hill. It's such a blessing to be here to worship today. Uh, If you're new with us, a very special welcome to you. Hope that you check out our church and all the different ministries going on at towerhillchurch.org. Or just simply connect right here. If you're on Facebook, we are too. And there are plenty of people to get to know you and to talk with you. And we even have a connect card that you can fill out if you would like more information about the church or you would like to give us more information about you. Boy, it is full-on fall. It's like we went from zero to 100 miles an hour really, really fast. At least my family did. We went to school and figuring out our new rhythms and routines and virtual hybrid and church and work and sports and everything. Everything just kind of seemed to happen at once. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like I got to hit the brakes. I got to find out like what exactly is going on in my life. My schedule is overrun my schedule runneth over, and I have no idea what to do about it. So maybe if you find yourself in a place like that, I think you're in the right place for this sermon series that we're doing called In the Meantime. So the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series talking about this holding pattern that we're all in, right? This forced holding pattern. Nobody likes holding patterns. It just delays where you want to be. And the longer you have to wait, the longer you have to sit in that holding pattern, the more frustrated and anxious and even angry we tend to get. So what do we do? What do we do with that spiritually? How are we to live faithfully in a time like this? That's what this sermon series is getting to the bottom of. And it really centers around one question, and that's this. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do when there's nothing you can do? You're you're in this pattern. You can't really get yourself forward, and you certainly can't go back. You're just kind of stuck. You're at the mercy of your circumstances. So what do you do? What does it look like to live faithfully in those moments? And because you start asking a lot of questions, it's so funny. No matter how much faith you think you have, everything starts to get questions very quickly when things get rough. Is God angry with me? Is God just apathetic towards me? Or worse, is God absent? God just on vacation. God tending to something else that he thinks is much more important. Now, any one of those things is not good news for our faith, but that's where we go. That's where our head goes often. So what do we do with that? I think it's okay to acknowledge it, to say we're going to have human emotions. That's what it means to be human, but it doesn't mean we have to wallow in them. It doesn't mean that we have to let them control us and how we navigate the circumstances of our life. And last week we talked a bit about, yeah, what if it's a holding pattern and we're in a lot of pain and we keep praying, 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 and God won't take it away. It's not moving any faster. We start to wonder, what the heck is God up to? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why is God allowing 
pain, this pain, to continue. And the longer we experience pain of any kind, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever that pain is, we get tempted to behave badly, to react poorly, to forget who we are and what God says about our life and our hope and faith. So I don't know about you in this time, maybe you've experienced some temptations to try to satisfy those questions because God maybe isn't moving fast enough for you. Well, I'm tempted to fill in the blank. What does that look like for you? I'm tempted, tempted to give up. I'm tempted to give in. I'm tempted to run away from God. I'm tempted to lean on my own strength and power. Or maybe I'm tempted to numb my emotions. Maybe I'm tempted to drink myself into oblivion. Or substance abuse. Or some other sinful, chronic habit that we have that we go running to when things get hard. On the one hand, I'll say, I'll say this. Of course, we know that that's bad. It's keeping us from what God wants for us in our lives. It's only causing more separation, more pain and isolation and anxiety in the midst of all of this. But on the other hand, you're in good company if you ever experience that kind of temptation to self-medicate when things are going difficult. There's a study that was just put out uh, by the Kaiser Family Foundation. It was a poll that they did, actually, of U.S. adults. This was around mid-July, talking about the relationship between the pandemic and their mental health. And as it turns out, 53% of adults said that, yeah, their mental health took a nosedive during this time. They were negatively impacted. 36% said that they had trouble sleeping. 32% said they had trouble eating. That's not been a problem in my house. (laughs) I don't know. I think it went the other way with uh, feeling mental health, uh, depression, or or anxiety. You know, just just go to the food cupboard. But for a lot of people, it's really stirred up a lot of things, and it's it's everywhere. 12% of people are saying that they leaned into drinking or substance use. Another 12% said that their chronic health conditions actually got worse as a result of everything we've experienced in this lockdown and this pandemic. And I'll say, on the one hand, I definitely relate with these stats, and you probably do too. You're like, yep, I get it. I've been feeling some of that. Maybe I've dipped my toe into some of those areas that we were talking about. But I'll also say this. I don't know if you had this feeling, but I certainly did, where you had some moments of genuine beauty and hope, and grace, and joy, and love, even in the midst of the horrible stay-at-home pandemic orders. Even in the midst of all that, maybe you had some moments that kind of changed how you were feeling. I remember early on, we we started doing campfires. This was uh, late March, early April. We dusted off this fire pit that we had that we hadn't used. It was still in the box. Uh, Oh, no, actually, I think we used it once. And, uh, and so I, I got it out. We got some firewood together. And we just started, since you couldn't go anywhere at the time, everything was on shutdown. We started having backyard campfires. And we got out the old cornhole, right? We got all that out. We, we hung out by the fire. We did s'mores together as a family. And I got to tell you, it, it was a regular thing for us for a few weeks. And you know what? In those moments, I felt satisfied. I felt full. You know what I mean? I felt 
full of joy and love and connection with my family. So much so that I forgot about the world going on outside of our house, even just for a little while. What's that all about? My circumstances didn't change at all. But something else happened inside of me. Something awakened something inside of me that changed how I saw things outside of me. And I think that gave me a little bit of a glimpse into the power of faith and how that faith can change our perspective no matter what our circumstance is. We can have moments of sheer joy and love and fulfillment even in our darkest circumstances. That's what it was like for me. And all summer long, it's been like that. We've had these amazing, wonderful joy moments that we celebrate. It's a reminder that a lot of what's going on right now, it's all about what's going on on the inside of me, maybe even more than what's going, going on on the outside of me. Maybe the miracle is just that. Maybe the miracle is not God fixing your circumstances, but God fixing you. Because if he fixes you, you're a different person that you bring to those same circumstances. He gives you something on the outside that changes the inside, that changes how you see the outside. Outside in, inside out. This is how the Spirit works in our lives. So I think it's important, though, to acknowledge what's really going on here. If I could change my perspective, if I could change how I approach all these situations so much, what is the real problem? Is the real problem the pandemic itself or is it something else? What's the problem behind the problem? I suspect that a big part of this problem behind the problem is discontentment. What is discontentment? It's, I am not currently satisfied with my circumstance. You could probably apply that to every area of life. I am not satisfied with my circumstance. And what happens is, the longer I'm in that state of discontentment, you know people like this, you know people who are chronically discontented, right? <laughs> they have a hard time breaking out of that because it becomes a pattern that just repeats and repeats and repeats. Never being satisfied no matter what happens. Never being content. It becomes chronic. It becomes a thing that starts to define how you view everything going on in your life. And not only does it affect today, it affects tomorrow. Because a lot of my fears are based on being afraid that I won't be content tomorrow. What's going to happen in my life that's going to cause me to be discontent? Let me be afraid or anxious about that. Discontentment, I think, is a lot like a virus that infects us. It takes a long time to recover from. They can only be healed from by God himself. More on that in a minute. So I think a good example, again, is to go back to the life of Paul. We did this last week as well. Because in the life of Paul, we see somebody who has every reason to be discontent. But he goes the other way. And I don't know about you, but I want to know why. I want to know what's the secret. Because Paul's life was no picnic. It had a lot of ups and downs like yours and mine. He had some time, some in the meantime time, that could have derailed his faith. Completely. Let's get into it. So the beginning of his life, we know a little bit about Paul, right? Before he became a Christian, his BC life was that he was a persecutor of Christians from uh, Galatians. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. 
I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He was a rising star, and he quickly set out to persecute the church of Jesus Christ, not knowing that he was persecuting God himself. And he described himself. He's like, I was a Pharisee. My brothers, I am a Pharisee descended from Pharisees. Like I, I was the quintessential Pharisee. That was my life, and I was good at it. Then he has this life-altering change, this experience with Jesus. We has an interaction with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Changes his whole life. And then he takes all of that giftedness and applies it to building up the church instead of persecuting it. And he was good at it. He was really good at it. Everywhere he went, he was starting churches. He had such a huge influence on the growth, influence on the growth of Christianity. You could say that Paul, in a lot of ways, is the father of the church in that ancient Near East area, that ancient Mediterranean, Mediterranean area. Um, and so when this all happened, right, as this was going on, 10 years of ministry happened, and then he gets thrown into prison. And then I wonder what he was thinking. It's like, okay, that was a good run. Ah, good ministry. High five, God. All right, well, that's over. And in fact, I wonder if even uh, people in the churches all over the area, I wonder if they started thinking, well, did Rome win? Is Rome bigger than God? Is Rome more powerful than God? In the end, did God lose and Rome win? Now that Paul is in prison, he can't go out and start new churches. He can't go out and connect with those churches. In a lot of ways, it looked like this time was a dark hour, an in-the-meantime time that maybe had no end in sight. And so what was Paul going to do? Is he going to bail? Is he going to give up? Give in? Turn away from God? Run away from God? Just wallow in sadness and discontentment? No. In fact, you can make the argument that some of his biggest influence was yet to come during this in the meantime time. What do I mean? Well, from prison, Paul wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. These letters written to these churches became foundational for all of us. His impact was magnified incredibly because he chose to lean into faith during his in the meantime time. He didn't give up. He was in prison, didn't look good. It wasn't fun. It wasn't what he asked for. It wasn't what anybody hoped for. But the Lord used it to accomplish something that none of them could have believed. In fact, Paul was arguably the most important and influential person in the, in the early church from the time of the first century all the way to the invention of the printing press in the 15th century. Paul was the one who had the biggest influence. And so what does Paul say is the secret? This is what we're getting at. What's the secret to this? How do I change what's going on inside so I could change how I react on the outside? What's the secret to contentment over discontentment? That's what he talks about here in the book of Philippians. He says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He's obviously writing about his imprisonment, saying, 
You know, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we're connecting because it's been a challenging time. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Sounds like a great trick, right? What's the secret? Now, I think it's important to point out, he's saying I am content in whatever circumstances. Here's what he's not saying. He's not saying, well, I'm happy about my circumstances. That's not the same thing, right? He's not saying that. And he's not necessarily saying, you know, well, I wouldn't change them if I could. You hear people talk like that, right? Oh, yeah, I was sick. or I broke my leg. And you know, it's the best thing for me. Wouldn't change it for the world. You want to bet? <laughs> Please, I'd rather have not broken my foot. But the point is, he's not saying those things. He's not saying, you know, I'm happy about my circumstance or I wouldn't change it for the world. What he's saying is, I'm content in spite of those things. And this is about something inside will dictate my response to what's going on outside. We all can have those campfire moments in the middle of our in the meantime. And it changes us. It changes our perspective. It changes our behavior. It changes our faith. He continues, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I have learned the secret. Don't you want to know the secret? All right. He's about to say it. And he's about to say it. it's one of the most famous lines in all of the New Testament. And it's become a very famous scripture in Christianity for the last 2,000 years. But before that, Remember, Paul has done more to advance the church, I think you could say, all the way to the printing press. He went on all these missionary journeys all over. And I know you can't quite make out everything on the map, but the point is, he did so much traveling. He did so much work planting churches, connecting with churches. What made him so influential? It was what he wrote, for sure. But it was also what he endured. Paul endured some struggles. Prison being a big one. But you know what? It was what he endured gave him great credibility. People trusted him. People knew that this just wasn't a show because he's got everything great going for him. No. People knew he was the real deal because he was able to maintain his faith. He was able to be content in any circumstances. Here's the thing I think we miss often when we're in our in the meantime time because we feel like, well, I can't do any good ministry here. I can't have good influence here. I'm stuck. I'm in a prison of sorts. I can't get out. But the point is this. You have no idea who or what hangs in the balance of your response to in the meantime. Some of your most influential work can happen during seasons like this. It's just whether or not we're going to choose to be content or discontent during this time. All right, so the secret. What does he say? He starts out, I can do all this. What's interesting, he doesn't say I can do all this because I'm a really great disciple of Jesus. I can do all this because I'm the man. 
no, I can do all this because, you know, I listened really well to Jesus. I can do all this because of all my giftedness. I could do all this because of my Pharisee training that made my mind really sharp. I can do all this because I've had a lot of good breaks in my life. I've got a lot of great friends. I can do all this because I've got such good beliefs. No. I can do all of this through Him who gives me strength. All of my strength, my ability, this is the secret. The secret is, I can't do anything but be a prisoner of my own emotional, spiritual response to my circumstances unless I get strength from the outside in that changes me from the inside out. It is a borrowed strength. It is a given strength. It's not something I can just summon up. And believe me, this is about as countercultural as you can get. Because today's message in our culture is actually the opposite. And sadly, I see even a lot of Christians adopting a, adopting a version of this that is corrupting their faith. What is it? Well, I think one of the things you could point to are some of the books and media that have come out over the last few years. And one of them was this one. Remember this one? The Secret. Remember that book when it came out? I remember for a while, that's all I heard about anywhere. The secret, the secret. What's the secret? What, what is that all about? And interestingly, the, some of the ideas of this book have definitely creeped their way into the church. And we got to be really careful because this is not what Jesus says. This is not what the New Testament says about where our strength comes from. You see, the idea of the secret is something like this, that through the law of attraction, you manifest your desires. Right? You, you approach the universe in the right way, and you will get anything that you desire. Of course, apparently there's all sorts of caveats. Right? So like, why didn't I get everything that I desired? Oh, well, it's because the universe, you, know, you did something wrong. But this is like, you can manifest your own desire, whatever you desire, anything and everything. You can do this. It's all about you. You have all the strength you've ever needed inside of you to have everything you ever dreamed of. Which is spiritual garbage. But the thing is, when we get in these times of anxiety, when we get in these in the meantime times, it's so easy to turn to something like this because it's promising some quick answers. I don't need to go to school and get the education for my career. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do this. All I have to do is ask the universe to manifest it. I have the power to make that happen. And then when it doesn't happen, I don't know, I guess I'm not in line with the universe. But the Christian faith comes at it a totally different way. It says, no, you're never going to be good enough. And that's okay. You know why? Because Jesus is. You can only do this through Christ's strength. Whatever the this is, right? Your life, your faith, your family, your job, your direction, your purpose, your circumstance. You can get through it because of Christ's strength in you. is giving you more than you need for your circumstance. So that every time you look out the world, it's not a superficial grin on your face. It's, it's, yes, even in the midst of this pain or in this difficulty, I still feel joy. I still feel love. I still feel content. The real secret is this. God manifests contentment in all circumstances. So what's this mean for you? 
Maybe let's break it down to what does this mean for you today? Maybe you want to think about in your prayer time with God, and I want to encourage you to do that. As soon as this service ends, I want you to jump in. And maybe a way of getting started is to think about this. What is your main source of discontentment right now? What is it? Can you name it? Can you pinpoint one thing? What's your main source of discontentment? What if you spent some time praying that, handing that over to God? And maybe you want to give yourself something to remember, something to say, something to kind of focus on. And maybe it's something like, you can't, he can, and he will if you invite him in. It's strength from the outside in that changes us from the inside out. Maybe this will help you to live in the meantime. Amen.